Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Chaz Bryant. That makes this Stuff You Should Know, S-Y-S-K. You realize if we release every week the five minutes before we podcast, we could like we could make a, we could make money on that. Especially if we said to the Benny Hill music, that is the gold. This yeah. is the silver. Yeah, yeah. I would I would call that the platinum, and this the gold. Okay, how about that? Sure. Just to be contrary, though. Just no bronze. Those guys are losers. Bronze medal winners. Yeah. <laughs> Third place. Bronze. I don't even know why you'd like bring it home. Nah. Just leave it on the plane in that little yeah. magazine pocket right. in front of you. <laughs> Um, Chuck. Yes. I know that you have been to Guatemala, and I know that you know I've been to Guatemala too. Jerry's been there. And we learned pretty quickly that Guatemala has it hard, but, um, we also learned that translated into English from, I think, Spanish, Guatemala means God's whipping post. Right? Uh, I thought you were going to say land of many sinkholes. That's just one of the many problems facing Guatemala. Okay. Yeah. Um, we talked, you know, extensively about mudslides, about civil war, right? Just about all these problems that Guatemala has. And uh, this past week, this past weekend, uh-huh. Guatemala faced even more problems. Uh, last week, there was a, a volcanic eruption. Yeah, a volcano like twenty clicks south of Guatemala City mm-hmm. started raining ash down. Yeah, and then in comes Hurricane Agatha from the Pacific. I think. Yeah. Um, to get rid of all the ash. Sure. But flood the area. Yeah. Um, create mudslides. Yeah. Kill 180 people. Awful. And then getting to the point of this podcast, uh, hasten a major sinkhole that's almost unbelievable looking yeah. in the middle of Guatemala City. Yeah. All our, our Facebook lit up with fans saying, have you seen this sinkhole picture? Yeah. And it then looks you tweeted about it. it. was, yeah, it does. It looks completely fake. It is, uh, 66 feet across. Mm hmm. 20 meters, and uh, almost 100 feet deep. But when you look at it, it looks like the very gates of hell have opened up. Yeah. It looks, and considering there's a building in there. Yeah. And that you can't even see. It swallowed a three-story apartment building. Yeah. Well, no, it was a factory. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was a clothing factory. Um, And they said that the guys who work there 
the people who work there had left at six in the afternoon, an hour before the earth opened up. Wow. So they got out. And then there's some security guard, too, that had a schedule altered that earlier that day, so he wasn't there. So this is just like that church group that, like, everybody um, in the 50s, everybody showed up late to this, um, like, church choir practice. Uh, and, and for all these different reasons, like all like 12 or 15 people uh-huh. sh- were put, were delayed in getting to, to the practice. Right. And the, the church happened to catch fire. Wow. And had they all gotten there on time, they would have burned to death. Wow. One imagines. At the very least, they right. would have had to have gotten out of the church. Good fortune. Yeah. So, well, I guess maybe God does like Guatemala a little. Maybe so, Josh. Maybe he just doesn't overtly hate it like we thought. Yeah, this sinkhole was, um, like you said, Saturday and um, three miles from a similar sinkhole from, uh, what was that, 2007? Yeah, yeah. The um, residents have been complaining of uh, all of the signs of sinkholes developing, one happening two years earlier. That's a pretty big sign. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also creaking noises. Um, the pavement isn't exactly, you know, perfectly flat. Right. Um, there, there's been uh, slight tremors, maybe? Yeah, I think um, they said in the 07 one, which, FYI, was 330 feet deep, and it appeared instantly, almost instantly, killing three, at least three people and, uh, like, swallowed up homes. They said that they felt the ground shaking a month before it appeared and that at the time the government was going to send down, like, a robotic camera. But it's Guatemala, so they were like, where do we get a robotic camera? <laughs> so it never happened. Yes, that is a good point, Chuck. Um, it's a kind of an evil point, but it's a good point, right? Yeah. Um, so we're talking about sinkholes here. This one's not about tropical storms, hurricanes, mudslides. Right. Oh, we should mention, though, that our friends uh, at Coed in Guatemala are all okay. They sent word, and we posted on Facebook that they weren't affected, and everyone's doing fine down there. Awesome. Okay. Okay, so we're good? So what, what, what's the deal with the sinkhole, Josh? Well, it depends on who you ask, Chuckers. Um, one of our uh, fellow colleague, co-workers over at Discovery News, a guy named Michael Riley, had a blog post um, that interviewed a Guatemalan-based geologist who's like, do not call that a sinkhole. Yeah. That is not a sinkhole. Yeah. And he's like, well, what would you call it? And he said, I would call it a piping feature. And I'm pretty sure the guy made that term up. I think he did, too. We did a Google search for piping feature, and it brought up um, a description of pajamas, a baseball uniform, has something to do with email, possibly. Uh, and that's it. There's no yeah. there's no geological feature formation or happening that's called a piping feature. So this guy was like, don't call a sinkhole. Let's all call it this term that I just made up. Well, that's how you coin a term, my friend. It is, but I don't think you need to be using Michael Riley's blog to do it. <laughs> sure. At the very least, you say, and I just made that up. Yeah. You know? Anyway. Um, Man-made sinkhole is what I think it is. Right. Well, he what he was talking about, though, was the the, um, the bedrock under Guatemala right. is actually old volcanic deposits. Right. And usually with sinkholes, what you're talking about is a different kind of bedrock that's actually bedrock. It's not volcanic. It wasn't just deposited there by, you know, something spewing it. Yeah. Um, and you have things like limestone, dolomite. Yeah. My favorite mineral. Uh, basalt. Yeah. Wait, how did we ever come up with how to say that? Uh, I think it's basalt. One of those two. Uh, gypsum. Yeah. The uh, the uh, carbonate or uh, what's the other? 
Evaporate. Evaporate classes of rocks, right? Yes. Yeah. That is typically what is underneath uh, what's called the overburden, and the overburden is just the, the soil mm-hmm. that's on top of all that. Right. So for those of you who've never tried this, if you go out in your backyard and dig a hole, eventually you're going to run out of dirt and you're going to hit rock. Yeah. And when you run out of dirt, you you can say, I have dug through the overburden and have now made contact with the bedrock. Right. Yeah. And uh, the reason we mention all this is because that's how a sinkhole forms, uh, at least this type of sinkhole. You, is, have, to, uh, you have to go dig it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, the bedrock underneath the overburden, it gets uh, whittled away by water that's turned acidic from absorbing CO2 and interacting with plants. So it carves out little conduits, little pathways of sort of like an underwater stream almost. Right, very much like that. And then it loosens the soil, and then the soil starts to fall down in these cracks. And although the, the surface and the overbird may look okay up top, this is why they, they seem to happen like overnight. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot going on underneath that we don't see. Right, for weeks, months, years, sure, you know, eons, that kind of thing. Um, so when the, when the water whittles away, say, um, a chamber, the future sinkhole, which you can also call a cave, Right. When you're going caving, what you're doing is walking through basically a dry conduit sinkhole system. Yeah. Right? Good point. So when the uh, the sinkholes formed, right, whittled away by water, right. and the overburden starts spilling into it, uh-huh. which is called spalling. Yeah, not than spilling. spilling, it's spalling, <laughs> right? Um, that means that there is much less of it above. It's like an hourglass, basically. Yeah. Right? And then when somebody walks on it, drives on it, builds a building on it, boom. Yes. That that salt, what appeared to be solid, is now in the bottom of this hole. Yeah, and oftentimes it can, um, the, the uh, what I call it, the overburden is solid enough to hold up, even though it might be hollow underneath, it can hold up for a little while if nothing is on it. Right. But like you said, the problem comes when something is planted on top of it, like a car. Right, and that's actually called a cover collapse sinkhole, and that's what we think of for, like for sinkholes. These really dramatic, sudden, yeah, right, holy cow, sinkholes. Yeah, right. I would like to call it the coolest sinkhole, but since you know, it might people, seem people do die. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Chuck, there's two other kinds of sinkholes, right? Um, that are slightly less dramatic. Yeah, the cover uh, cover subsidence sinkhole. Yeah, this is. This is possibly the least dramatic sinkhole. Basically, it's kind of boring. It is. Um, this this a very similar process happens, except uh, you get the impression it happens much more slowly, right? Yeah. Chuck was talking about. Uh, imagine like um, a, a straw coming into you know those little nitrous oxide tubes, the little chargers. Yeah, for okay. like uh, for the little industrial arts cars that you made sure or making whipped cream or yeah, yeah, whatever sure. you know right um you got a straw going into one of those and a straw coming out so it's like narrow narrow fat right narrow again yeah that would be like conduit sinkhole mm-hmm. or cave um because it's pretty much a cave until the top collapses right uh and then conduit again right so these conduits allow water to go in and out but as spalling occurs the the dirt, the sediment, the overburden, the it soil spills into the loose parts, right? Right, and it can clog up the conduits. Right, right, yeah. So what you have then for the uh, cover uh, subsidence sinkhole is basically just a depression in the earth. Yeah, but a dirt depression, and a lot of times they're not very big either. We're talking like a few feet. Right, one deep of the ways to, one of the ways to deal with the sinkhole, a small one, is to fill it with sand and boom, bang, bam. You're yeah, done. that's what the Florida management. Uh, 
district says, and right. Florida's kind of lousy with sinkholes because yeah. of all the sand. Right. But these cover subs, uh, subsidence uh, sinkholes often turn into ponds because yeah. rainwater starts collecting. It has nowhere sure. to go because the conduits are blocked, and bam, you get yourself a brand spanking new pond. And that's good fishing. Yes, it is. <laughs> I imagine. Uh, and then the third one, Chuck, a dissolution or solution sinkhole. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Not spilling, spalling, dissolution or solution sinkhole. Right. It's a geology. It's like take your pick. Yeah. That these are um, actually not as dramatic either. And that's usually if you just have like a thin overburden that washes away and erodes over time, and um, it exposes you, the bedrock. Yeah. Expose. I always want to say twitch, twitch after you say bedrock each time. From the Flintstones? Remember that? No. You're like, Flintstones? I mean, I remember <laughs> the Flintstones, and they lived in Bedrock, but what's the Twitch Twitch the, part? The, that was the one episode where they had the, the movie star singer come to town. Tony Kurt Rock or whatever? Yeah, and yeah. that was a song in Bedrock, Twitch, Twitch. Instead I, of I don't remember that one. <laughs> wow. Wow. Showing my age. I like the one with uh, Ann Margrock. She was a hot cartoon. Yeah. It's so funny that all the names were like rock-oriented. Never figured that one out. Because they lived in the Stone Age. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but the big rack of ribs on the car that tipped the car over, that was normal. That was a brontosaurus rib rack. Yeah. Yeah. That's good eating. That's what they ate in the Stone Age. Yes. So, like you said, you can get a new um, a new pond when you have a dissolution sinkhole. Is that where we were? Yeah, you can get a pond from that, too. Basically, the difference between a cover subsidence and a dissolution sinkhole is... One is possibly grassy. Right. The other is exposed rock. Right, right. So right? A, a grassy depression. But both can be ponds. Both of them have their conduits covered. Right. Really, when you think of sinkhole, the one we're talking about is the cover collapse. Oh, my God, save me, sinkhole. Right. Yeah. So we need to talk about uh, human beings and what we can do. There's actually those, you know, a lot of those are naturally occurring sinkholes just because of erosion, but humans can actually contribute to sinkholes uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, think about it. We talked about reservoir-induced seismicity. Yeah, same deal. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Totally. Man. We are really screwing with the geophysical properties of Mother Earth. Yeah. I'm, I'm constantly amazed every time I go to New York that New York is still like a standing, functioning city. For now. Yeah. Well, that's true. Well, yeah, let's hope it keeps standing for at least the next week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, drilling, Josh, mining, um, foot traffic, vehicle traffic, increased water flow, uh, broken pipes. The other thing that, you know, we talked about humans causing an earthquake, extracting water from the subsurface, mm-hmm. that can uh, be a big problem, yeah. cause sinkholes. Yeah. So that's how man, those are just a few ways that man can create one, basically. Yes. And that's what they think happened in Guatemala, right? Yeah. Um, basically, with... Plumbing, and we have the same problem here in Atlanta. I'm a little nervous to admit. Yeah. Our sewer system is like 100 years old. Guatemala City's is not too much older, yeah. you know, or younger. It's right about the same age. Um, so a sewer pipe bursts, right? And you think, well, okay, this is very bad. It erodes the soil because of the water movement. Not just that, it has a, it, it provides a double whammy actually. Right. Um, it erodes the dirt and it actually gives it a place to be carried away through. Is that flow reversal? No. No. A That's burst later. sewer pipe. 
Oh, okay. So imagine a sewer pipe and then bam, it bursts and there's right. a big hole there. Yeah, yeah. The spewing water, the water pressure is just eroding soil above yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's eroding the overburden. And, and then it's also this big hole in the pipe is giving a place for the soil to, to be taken away. Right. So it's eroding it, taking it away, creating a cavern. And then bam, and that's yeah, that's exactly what happened in in Guatemala City both times. Well, actually, the, I mean, I read today they said they still aren't sure what happened in this I'm most recent. I'm saying that's what happened <laughs> in Guatemala City both times. Okay, they said the guy said we have to descend into it to find out what the, happened. The guy who called it a piping feature? No, it was uh, some other um, guy that you like better. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Polk County, Florida. Yeah, I think we should. That was a human caused sinkhole, and uh, here's what's going on in Florida. You know when you use fertilizer in your yard, which yeah. you like to do? Yeah. <laughs> it's got phosphate in it, and about 30% of the entire world's phosphate uh, stash mm-hmm. comes from Florida. Mm-hmm. So the problem with this stuff is it's radioactive, mildly radioactive. Mm-hmm. And so Florida said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stack it up in huge stacks so it's all in one place. And we're talking hundreds of acres, millions of tons. The result, years later, uh, in 1994 in central Florida, a billion tons of it uh, basically created a sinkhole. The weight crushed the the sand underneath it and created a huge sinkhole. Right, yeah. Florida is already um, what, what's known as a karst region, and karst region is a, it's a type of topography. Yeah, K-A-R-S-T? Has, yes. Yes. Uh, and if you want to see some cool video on a karst, on karst regions, um, check out... Uh, watersheds.org slash earth slash karst. Right. Awesome. Yeah, cool stuff. Really cool. Um, and uh, uh, karst region is basically it's, it's a type of topography that features a lot of caverns, yeah. sinkholes, um, springs, all this geological, uh, these geological features created by the movement of water, right? Right. Um, Florida's lousy with this stuff. Oh, yeah. But then, as you were saying, it had this extra added benefit of billions of tons of phosphogypsum of radioactive byproduct and then bam yeah. yeah and in that one collapse in 1994 in polk county the stuff collapsed into the water supply yeah that was bad news and polluted the entire state's supply yeah that's not good well it's not good but i mean if i'm going to go silver lining here which i'm not one to do uh it did make them all take a hard look at how they dispose of you know harmful byproducts right they're like you can't just stack it up until it falls through the earth they're like, well, what should we do? Right. <laughs> um, and they're still trying to answer that one. Yeah, it, t- it took, took a lot of money and time, though, to clean up their water supply. Yeah. And, Chuck, let's get in our balloon and go over to Berezinski, Russia. We haven't been in our balloon in a long time. I know. It got a little dusty. We need to clean up in here. I know. There's a dead raccoon in the corner. That's creepy. Yeah. Don't look at it. Uh, and so uh, in Berezinski, Bereznis, Berezniki... <laughs> Berezniki. Yes. Yeah, I almost took us to Berezinski. Jeez, that was close. We're going to uh, Berezniki, Russia. Uh-huh. Uh, in, uh, I think, 1986, they had an, uh, another fertilizer-related sinkhole problem, right? Potash. Potash. It's actually pot. Pot. That's what the lady said on the uh, pronunciation guide. Really? She said potash. So, that's She's a robot. That's what we're going with. Yeah, 656 feet deep. 260 feet long, 131 feet wide, and growing. So for our um, non-American, non-Liberian, and then what, Burma, maybe? Sure. Uh, the, that would be 200 meters deep, 80 meters long, and 40 meters wide. 
That's yeah. a huge sinkhole. And uh, the reason was they were just removing uh, potash. Potash. Potash <laughs> uh, from the ground through a mine, and it became flooded. Yeah. And that was that. Question. Do sinkholes always cause massive destruction and kill people and swallow buildings? Yes. No, not true. They're actually, a lot of times, they're just kind of like an annoyance um, well, yeah, and like an inconvenience. The ones, the ones you can fill with sand. Right, or ones that aren't around, um, you know, a, a urban civilized area. Yeah. Like if they're out in the boonies, it's kind of cool, like really cool if we're talking about uh, the ones in Venezuela, the Sorry Sorry Nama sinkholes. Did you see those things? Uh, I saw this picture of them. Yeah, well, I didn't mean literally have you descended into them. No, no. But those are really cool because those are in the uh, Tapui region, these really high mesas. Basically, it's like at the top of a mountain, you'll just see a forest, dense forest, and then these huge, perfectly round holes. Yeah, like right a thousand, thousand feet deep. Yeah. 305 meters deep. And these crazy dudes. And they're dudes. right in the center. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These crazy dudes, like, uh, put on parachutes and jump into them. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. They did on that the Planet Earth. Um, actually, I don't think it was there, but did you ever watch that, the Planet Earth? Discovery thing? Yes. They gave us that when they bought us as a gift. Yeah. It was really cool, but it has the uh, base jumpers jumping into these things. It's crazy. That's awesome. They also have uh, cenotes. Yeah. Did you see those in Tulum? Yes. Because they got a lot of them down there, right? Yes, they do. They're everywhere in Tulum, and they're awesome. So basically, that is um, a sinkhole that is now a pool, right? Yeah. And for some reason, there's, I guess... The the water collects, it percolates down from the top. So there's always a dripping sound. Okay. And then it collects in the bottom of the sinkhole, usually bedrock or light sediment. Um, but during the percolation process, it becomes purified. Right. So it's this incredible, like, bluish water. Yeah. Um, that's totally pure. Big for snorkeling, right? Gorgeous, yeah, huge for snorkeling, scuba yeah. diving, that kind of thing. And they're also very um, sacred places, I guess, among the Maya maybe? Um, and there's like a big movement to, uh, preserve these cenotes because they were, they were believed to be, um, a, a portal to the next world. Oh, really? And so they'd like sacrifice people and stuff there. They are wicked cool looking. Yeah. I plan to go one day. Okay. And tread the ground that you tread in Tulum. There is, uh, there's also a lot of the ruins around on the Yucatan are, uh, yeah. will have a cenote. Too. Well, they have uh, ruins near Tulum, right? Uh-huh. And then, Chuck, lastly, probably the um, biggest sinkhole on the planet is the Katara Depression, right, in Egypt. It's like 300 feet deep or 436, yes, 436 feet, 131 meters deep. Size of Lake Erie, basically. Yeah, but it's like 75 miles wide, yeah. which is 120 kilometers. Yeah, it's it's not, a, I, I kind of expected more. Did you see pictures? It looks sort of... Just looks like a desert basin, sort of. Yeah, I thought it's not nearly as cool looking as the uh, the ones in Venezuela. No, and uh, if you want to see a cool picture of the ones in Venezuela, you can type sinkhole into howstuffworks.com. There's also a cool flash animation on oh, page yeah. zero. Yeah, that's a good one of how sinkholes form. And really, to sum up, sinkholes form because water moves underground, erodes erodes the overburden above. Kabam! There you have it. Yep. Okay. Um, and uh, I think I said handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, right? You did. If not, I just did, which means it's time for listener mail. Yes, Josh. Serial killers. 
I just need to say, judging from the Facebook and fan reaction, that we have a sick and twisted audience. I thought it was funny that a lot of people felt the need to be like, you know, not to be morbid or anything, but, but I, I love really it. love serial killers. <laughs> yeah. Everybody loves serial killers. It's very intriguing. It's okay. Just go with it. Before I read these, Josh, I should just point out a quick correction. Ted Bundy um, did his final uh, sorority house actions at Florida State, not Florida. Okay. And I knew that, too. I don't know why I said UF. Yeah. I thought it was Florida the whole time. I'm not a big Florida Gator fan, as you know. No, I know. But I'm sure that had nothing to do with it. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we heard from a bunch of people. Josh kind of jokingly said, if you know of any serial killers, turns out a bunch of people have come into contact with a, these guys. A surprising amount, yes. Uh, and so I have a bunch of them I'm going to run down. You, you want to read some of these too? Oh, sure. All right, I'll give you that page. Okay. Uh, this is from Solomon. My mom told me a story when she was in Washington in the late 70s. She graduated college, moved there to work as a social worker in Seattle. She was supposed to meet up with a friend one day and co-worker and her roommate and they waited for hours and hours, but they never showed. She spoke to her coworker later and said the reason she never came because her friend was missing. Turns out, long story short, that she went to help a guy with a sailboat in the parking lot, Buffalo Bill style. Mm-hmm. Help me get this couch in the van. She got there and there was no sailboat, and it turns out that this guy was Ted Bundy, and the friend was Janice Ott, one of his final victims. Wow, it's from Solomon. All right, I've got a good one. This is my favorite. This is from Justin. Uh, My grandfather once knew a serial killer. They were in the same fantasy (laughs) baseball league. I do not know his name, unfortunately. He was kicked out of the league for cheating, and his family left him. So he resorted to shooting people in the head with a pistol. The police had him cornered in a motel, so he covered himself in baseball cards and committed suicide. That's from Justin. I don't know about that one, Justin. <laughs> At the very least, Justin has a great imagination. Yes. Uh, this one comes from Karen H. Uh, just a tidbit, guys. My aunt's first husband was a coroner on the Manson murders, Tate LaBianca. I never met him because they divorced before I was born, but my aunt always uh, talked about him during the murders. Her ex-husband also founded the Los Angeles Coroner's Gift Shop. I thought that was strrange. Strange and awesome, kind of. Yeah. The gift shop, at least. Uh, this one's from Megan. Just wanted to tell you that my stepdad's brother murdered two people. They were my stepdad's friends. My stepdad recounted always feeling a little odd around his brother. He said the hair on his arms and neck would rise when his brother would talk to him. Creepy. His brothers. His brother used to catch sparrows as a child and shove firecrackers into their butts and let them go after he lit them, which is <laughs> pretty awful. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, that's part of the McDonald triad, I would say. Yep. Uh, two quickens here on Jeffrey Dahmer. Apparently, he had a bunch of neighbors that listened to our show. Uh, Joel says, uh, around the time of the killings, my mom lived next door to Jeffrey Dahmer. She met him twice, and she uh, said he seemed like a nice guy, but a little weird. I would say so. Anyway, just thought I would share my little anecdote with you guys. Joel. And uh, from Cole in Cincinnati says, my father went to preschool with Jeffrey Dahmer. He doesn't remember him torturing small animals or anything, but one fact sticks out. He liked to walk around with his cheeks sucked in, my dad said. Picture someone making a fishy face. My dad's theory was that Jeffy was sating his taste for human flesh, but that's pure speculation. Wow, that is pure speculation. Thanks for that. Uh, Chuck, I've got a couple more, uh, if that's okay with you. Yes. <laughs> All right. There's uh, one from Anonymous in Florida who wanted to give the attention to the victim and not take any for herself. Uh-huh. Uh, I went to high school with a girl who became the victim of a serial killer known as the Gainesville Ripper, Danny Rowling. I wasn't close friends with her, but she was in my freshman English honors class. So that's from Anonymous. 
Uh, Kurtz lived eight minutes away from Dennis Rader's home, the BTK killer, and the house where he murdered one of his victims is across the street from the hardware shop where I shop. And it turns out BTK, Dennis Rader, mm-hmm. uh, it murdered more than three people uh, over the course of his career. Still kind of a poo-poo serial killer career, in my opinion. Did though. we just say three? I said three. Oh, okay. I was poo-pooing him. You got any more? I got one more. Go ahead. Uh, back in 1968, my dad's best friend's family was targeted by the Zodiac Killer. We recently met up with her daughter, and she told us the story that one of her relatives, David Arthur Faraday, was killed by Mr. Zodiac, and the fear of someone else being killed caused them to leave California, which meant my dad lost contact with her. Thanks for the podcast, and fully expect you to to release new episodes even after you are dead. <laughs> Jerry. slightly disturbing. It was, especially in relation to the Zodiac Killer. And especially since it was written by our own Jerry. <laughs> Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Uh, I got one more. This is from Leslie, and Leslie has, Josh, known three murderers. Wow. And she's still around. Uh, The first person, Robert Bennett, a.k.a. the Handcuff Man, uh, who I think was caught in Atlanta. He lived just across the street from me in Tawanda, Pennsylvania, and we used to sneak through the alley beside his house to get to school, and we would sneak into his pool. Yeah. Dangerous business. Yes, it is. Second was Eric Smith, a kid from uh, Sonoma, New York, who murdered a four-year-old boy. His grandfather was my science teacher and a family friend. And finally, the most recent murderer I've known was Mesak Damas, who murdered his family here in Naples. I worked with him for a while at a restaurant and knew his wife from the grocery store where I shop. And uh, that's from Leslie. So she's known three murderers, and good for her. Leslie, um, keep your eyes peeled. That's what I would I want to remain on point. I've never known anybody who's known that many murderers before. I've never known any. Um, Chuck... Tag teaming listener mail makes me feel like uh, Michelle Norris and Robert Siegel. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it's Thursday even, so like the whole NPR thing's really going on. Wow. Um, check us out on Facebook. It's uh, Stuff You Should Know, website in parentheses. Uh, we're also on Twitter, SYSK Podcast. And uh, if you want to send us an email about anything at all, just wrap it up and ship it off to Stuff Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. 
Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.